0: Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by my full complement of co-hosts. Nate Heininger.
1: Laura Nash.
0: And Shane Kelly. And this week we are doing another sort of grab-baggy type of episode, but this time with a theme. Uh, We are talking about, well, we've been talking for a while about covering uh, homebrew games for classic consoles. And we talked about whether we were going to do, you know, NES or Genesis or Game Boy. And um, there's a big scene for uh, homebrew on all of those platforms. When we started looking at the Game Boy in particular, um, there's a ton of good Game Boy homebrew and a lot of very interesting stuff. Um, So in order to kind of narrow things down and focus a little bit, I got very intrigued by something called GB Studio, uh, which is a tool for creating Game Boy Homebrew games, Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about it in a a minute, Um, but today we are just going to be talking about, we tried a few games for the Game Boy that were specifically created using GB Studio, uh, and we're going to talk about some of the stuff that we've played.
2: And we've done some homebrew games before, at least one, right? Mini Mages for NES
0: Yes, I think that may be the only one that we've done, which is a bit of a shame because I I always really enjoy homebrew. I think it's really interesting. And sometimes those games are really short. Yeah. Um, But it's also like, for some reason, I think uh, homebrew games can feel a little inaccessible to like you know, your average Joe gamer on the street because they require,
2: first of all, knowing that homebrew is a thing. That's the big one. That's the big barrier. At least that was the big barrier to me. Uh, Mini Mage opened that to me. Oh, yeah. And with Um, Game Boy,
0: I mean, obviously I did not play these on a a real Game Boy because I'm not sure that I own something that can play these games except for emulating them on the computer. But we're talking about a console that came out in, uh, like, I was... I think I was four years old when the Game Boy came out. Uh, this was 1989. So,
1: I think when we covered random Game Boy games, and I, I talked about Ninja Turtles, I, I spoke of the uh, inherited Game Boy for my brother that had a bunch of duct tape over the battery pack. Yeah. And if you got too excited, the batteries would pop out, you lose all your progress. <laughs> so a uh, big upgrade playing in a browser or an emulator. For me, I don't have a fancy analog pocket, but I did send this to everybody who has one and say, hi, did you know there's homebrew?
2: Yeah, that's great. I still have my Game Boy somewhere around here. It also doesn't have the battery pack cover. I guess that was just, you know, if you can if you can lose something on it, I probably did. Classic Game Boy, man. No Mm -hmm. battery cover. That's the way that they all
0: were. The longevity of the Game Boy is really surprising. I mean, it's huge in the cultural memory. I think people that were born long after it came out still all know what it is at, at, on site. Uh, but even back in the day, like when I got my first Game Boy, it was on the release of Pokemon Red and Blue. Uh, and that was like 1996. The Game Boy so was already like, really old at that yeah, point. Yeah, the Game yeah. was already game Boy was already super old. And, and it... Was still getting like platform defining titles, so it's it's kind of not surprising that that people are keeping the flame burning for the Game Boy. But what really surprised me is um, how cool the tools are and just how diverse the like homebrew catalog is. Like the the quality of the products here are. Um, I mean, it's it's as if people have been refining their skills since 1989. <laughs> yeah, you would really think that, like, you know, if you think about Game Boy Homebrew, you expect that it's just going to be a bunch of people making their Mario, right? Um, but it's not. There's a really big variety uh, to the stuff here, even for things that come through this very specific development tool pipeline that, you know, you would think would give things a bit of saminess.
2: And, and there is a little bit of that, but uh, it, there's still a lot of diversity here. Now, unlike the rest of us, if Reagan just slightly tilts his camera a little to the right. We'll see 25 to 30 pristine Game Boys uh, lining his – he's got it in his hands uh, right now. It's yeah. literally
1: in his hands. Hey, Reagan, I had
2: that same one. The, is that a – Oh, yeah, the green pocket. The green pocket. This is pocket. the best one, man. Yeah, I had one. The Reagan, where's, Game the, Boy pocket?
0: where's the blue one that you had growing up? No, I had a. There was no blue Game Boy Pocket, as far as I. know. You fool! I I a, no, I <laughs> oh, thought I had a red. I got the red one for po- with Pokemon Red, and I thought you got a blue one with Pokemon Blue. I got a. I got a green one with Pokemon Blue. Right, so I had that, Laura,
2: I had we that should. Contract. We should go, uh, Laura.
1: Because I had Pokemon Red, and I remember you being really mad that I could only trade. Okay, I'm with just Reagan. gonna leave, I guess. Uh.
2: <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I I definitely remember I had the green one because I I wanted to. Well, I didn't I didn't think about this when I was receiving it as a gift, but it was uh it was color matched with uh the best starter Pokemon, uh uh-huh. the the Bulbasaur. Wow, who is the best boy? Shots fired. So- Wait.
1: Oh, I guess green for Bulbasaur. I was like, but Pokemon Blue is Squirtle. And, but yeah. Shane had blue hair, so this is all very confusing. Yeah,
0: that was. I, that was I, a, I'm just going to that go. That's I, that I, I, that I, I, yeah. an embarrassing time in our lives. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed to uh, have had a blue hair phase. I think you Laura has up. the receipts on uh, all of our embarrassing childhood memories, and we all appreciate that she keeps them quiet. Mm. Um, Ray, Reagan and my childhood was tied together with a link cable. Put it
1: that way, <laughs> there's truly. mutually assured destruction, there, so I can't really speak out of turn.
0: <laughs> so, um, yes, we all had Game Boys. I think, and uh, you know, all of us had slightly different experiences with them. Um, we don't need to spend a ton of time on that. Everybody had a Game Boy. Everybody remembers roughly the same amount of stuff about the Game Boy. You played games on it. You, you shown a light on it late at night so you could play it under the covers or whatever, all that stuff. Um, but I, I've actually been really interested in Game Boy Homebrew for a little while. I've played a handful of things that have kind of um, hit the various sort of retro game enthusiast blogs I've seen. Um, so I had heard a little bit about GB Studio, uh, but it was only pretty recently that I played any games that were specifically made using it. And also, I took a little bit of time to download the tool and just poke around in it. Um, and so just to start by kind of talking about what is GB Studio, uh, GB Studio is a free and open source game development tool for Game Boy Homebrew games. And you can create games for the original Game Boy, Game Boy Color, uh, like uh, Super Game Boy the, the for the um, SNES. And also games that play directly on the analog pocket. It has sort of a special export format specifically for that. In addition to, uh, it has an export format for playing games on the web. So this is actually a pretty interesting uh, feature of it is that it's designed not just for you to be able to export a ROM that people can play on their old Game Boy or in a Game Boy emulator on a PC. Um, but you can also upload your games to places like itch.io and have a like one-click play way to create a nice, simple game that people can play on the web. Really interesting tool, and moreover, it is a uh, it's a visual. Game. They call it a visual game builder with no programming knowledge required. So I downloaded this and poked around in a little bit by opening some sample projects and. It's really impressive how committed this thing is to being a code-free Development environment. Um, it, it is you know you create little visual tiles for things like scenes, and you tie them together with little lines. You can set scripting uh, on on objects in the scenes, but the scripting is mostly done via little uh, little pickers and little drag and drop interface. It is very committed to being like very little typing involved, essentially no coding knowledge required. That's not to say it's simple. It's definitely something where you'd need to dedicate yourself to learning how it works, but it is. All built into this thing, including everything from being able to, you know, create the game, uh, create the backgrounds, uh, create the music. It has like a music tracker built in that actually was one of the most interesting parts of it. It's got a very neat little sort of uh, piano roll style interface for building Game Boy music. Uh, And then it's got a kind of a build and run thing where you can click and play your game directly in it. And I think it's really, really impressive. The thing that blows my mind here is that... There is absolutely someone out there who has made – who's like 16 years old and has made their very first video game for the Game Boy. Yes. I know,
2: right? Right, yeah.
0: And and that's 100% possible here. Like this is something where if you've got this app and a copy of something like Photoshop or something where you can create graphics that you can export as a PNG because that is something you probably need to do separately. But basically those two things and you can make a game here. And uh, it's really, one of the things that made me think about that I think is really interesting is like, you know, you see a lot of games with uh, tools like uh, Pico 8, where it's really focused on online sharing, uploading games to the web. This is ideal as one of those sort of like things where you want to create a simple game to share on the web. um, Because not only does everybody have access to a web browser and you can play there, but like Game Boy ROMs are tiny and there's a zillion ways to play them and it makes it extremely easy to share these, these works. I think it's a really and it's clever, approach. a super great way. If you are doing this as like a coding example or like a game design sample, like being able to showcase your work on a Game Boy seems like a really good way to do it because you can, you can bring it with you anywhere and then you can just hand it to someone. And as we have already established, everyone loves the Game Boy. So oh, yeah. And there's just, yeah, there's just that cool factor of like, hey, these things run on an actual Game Boy. Um, GB Studio has been around for a little while. It's on its sort of third major version, GB Studio 3. Um, Some of the games that we're playing today were created with earlier versions. Um, They've added a number of different abilities to create new types of games. So because this thing is so very drag and drop, uh, and it's sort of functioning both as an IDE and also a game engine, um, they kind of have to like build in support for specific game styles. So you can't like go completely off the rails. I'm sure there's ways to get creative with it, but you can't go completely off the rails and create things that the, that the you know tool never envisioned. Um, it's really designed around, you can create games in a, in certain modes and your games can combine scenes from multiple modes. So you've got sort of a, a platformer mode uh, a top down JRPG type of looking mode, um a mode that's sort of uh, based around like shoot 'em up uh you know either the you know flying around shooting kind of mode uh and a more sort of point and click mode um as well as just sort of basics like showing full screen graphics and stuff like that um and it really is just as easy as dragging and dropping elements into scenes it's and you know selecting variables for them and so on it's it's really really impressive um you can download GB Studio if you go to gbstudio.dev, uh, or you can download it on GitHub. Um, and because it's open source, it's something where people are contributing to this tool. Uh, it's got a community around it on Discord. Um, I don't know. I, I've only I only spent a you know an hour or so sort of playing around with the tool and reading through the documentation, but. I can't say how it's so impressive. It's such an impressive tool. Um, And so I I really hope sort of, you know, people who are maybe making their first game or who maybe know a little bit of, uh, of game design in other modes, but don't want to learn, you know, uh, assembly language in order to put something on the game boy, this gives you a way in without needing to learn that, like, like the incredibly complicated stuff that you would typically need to know in order to create a game for a retro console. So the, the first game that I picked to play really blew me away. Um, I absolutely loved this. And I feel like I've got a lot to say about this game, even though it is extremely short. Uh, I think this game.
2: Well, that's the entire premise of our finished. show, is it, is mm-hmm. it not? <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, which, I mean,
0: hey, that is exactly why I love it. That's one, one of the reasons why I love this game. This is, this is a perfect short game. Uh, like, this is something. It's so short that it literally could never. Have had uh, a cartridge release on the Game Boy because someone someone would have to like carry around a physical cartridge. This thing is five twelve k, which is um, I don't really know how big Game Boy games typically are, uh, but this this game has just a ton of A plus full screen art in it, which is not common for Game Boy games. Um, so the game is called. Possum Country and it's by someone named Ben Jelter and uh, he's an illustrator was, I think. Yes, Ben Jelter is a illustrator uh and I went ahead and looked up his uh website. He's got a uh, a really good like clean illustration style uh and he's done multiple uh, like graphic novels, you know, one that you can read free online called Heliosphere. I've just read the first few pages, it looks really cool. Um, so mainly this guy is an illustrator. Um, I'm going to take a quick look. I think he, yeah, so, so he has, he has one other, uh, he has two other people credited on this game. Uh, someone named Dana Jennings who, uh, assisted him with the story and dialogue and a third person who did the music named lunches. Thank you. Lunches, uh, big fan of your work um and the the cool thing about this is i like at first you fire it up and um it seems like it is going to be a um like an rpg maybe uh the story starts with a a a, a food delivery driver kind of pulling up to a uh, trailer park and i don't know really um how I'm going to, I'm going to try and cover this spoiler free at first, but to really get into why I like this game, I am going to, and it's also so short, uh, I'm going to have to talk a little bit about what happens in it. (laughs) Um, so at some point I might say, okay, go ahead and skip forward. But, um, the, the first thing I'll say about the, the setting is, you know, the car pulls up, um, and it's. You know, the the whole screen is basically just the car and various different trailers. Now, a real Game Boy game would have had one trailer, every trailer lovingly rendered here. Um, and uh, he the delivery driver is trying to find the person to deliver the food to, right? So you go from trailer to trailer uh, and you encounter uh, various... Um, terrifying members of the rural poor. Uh, <laughs> and this, <laughs> okay. so this is stylistically, let me tell you a little bit about what this game I think is going for. It is, um, a real combination of maybe like the twilight zone with like maybe a little bit of an X files vibe. It feels like the kind of thing that you would have seen, um, you know, on, on TV, um, in the, uh, in the nineties, right. Which has a, it, it fits with the game boy vibes. Um, and in one of the trailers that you go to first, um, you know, you knock and you see, a, a kind of a long haired kind of vacant eyed girl, um, who doesn't speak right? And then you leave and you're talking to trying to, you go basically go to each of the different trailers and, uh, you know, some man or woman there tells you, no, it's not my food. Um, and, um, what, uh, what happens as you, as you get a little bit more into it is, uh, you know, once you've talked to everybody, you keep hearing about someone named Bill and you, um, you go back to the very first trailer, which is the one where you saw the girl, and then you meet Bill. And Bill says, oh, there was no girl here, you know? Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, I forget who you, who you even actually give the food to. But, of course, in true horror movie tropes, uh, you get back to your car, and uh, it, has, it has been disabled. So- and there's a big claw Hook right in the, in the <laughs> right.
2: hanging, yeah, right. from the doorknob Whoa. was a claw. <laughs> no. So, uh,
0: a few great moments that I'll I can say before I say like jump ahead, spoiler, spoiler territory here. Um, one of the one of the uh, trailers has a woman in it who. Uh, is the one who's like the most open and helpful with you. And she sends you on one of the little RPG type quests that you have in this, which is, you know, you have to bring her some water from the well. uh, And so, of course, you have to get a a old bottle to get the water and then you bring her the water. Um, And this is a good example of how awesome the art is for a Game Boy game. All of these characters, by the way, are full screen illustrations. Mm. So they're they're low resolution. It's a Game Boy game, but they're rendered as as big as you can get, right? And uh, so you bring her the water, and she says, ah, thanks. Uh, and then you see the water poured into a cup, and then she takes out her teeth and puts them in the cup. <laughs> Um, and then she's smi- – now she's gotten much crazier looking because she's got <laughs> this gigantic toothless grin, which is just – a it's a great moment in kind of the escalation of the craziness of this. And by the way, all throughout, um, as you're walking around, uh, kind of in the walking around view, everything's pretty small. You know, the guy's maybe five or six pixels high. There are like these three or four pixel very recognizable possums that are just kind of everywhere. <gasps> um now go ahead and hit that uh 30 second skip button I'll be putting uh, chapters in the uh in the episode so uh, sure. if folks really want to skip past uh look for the chapter feature in your podcast player and skip to the next one if you don't want spoilers so bill um it it becomes fairly clear pretty quickly based on uh even a cursory level read of the context clues of literally anything any of these uh creepy um people has to say uh that you know bill is the important one here and they're all getting ready to undergo the change and uh there's um you know and bill has a great way of helping us uh leave behind our mortal flesh um and and so um the way the story unfolds is you you finally um pretty, pretty much right away as, as soon as things start going to shit. Um, so the, the delivery driver sees the girl again and, and now she's eating out of a dumpster and, uh, he like ushers her back. You usher her back to your car and tell her sit in the car. And this is when you find out that the, uh, that the car has been disabled. Um, she's, he's like, Oh, well now we've got to go and get something to fix the car. He's, he bring her back. You'll never, you'll never have to eat out of a dumpster ever again. You know, uh, it's, it's, um, uh, this He doesn't care about, by the way, I, I, I don't know if this is commentary or this is just stylistic or if this is maybe just me commenting on the game, but uh, this delivery driver um, doesn't care about the situation of any of these uh, trailer park uh, nobodies uh, except for the one that's the pretty girl.
1: Oh, sure. But, um, Naturally.
0: Yeah. Um, this is definitely an example of kind of the, uh, I mean, this is a, like I said, '90s, uh, the rural, the horror meets rural poor, like that Texas Chainsaw Master. I was just gonna say that sounds vibe like Texas is, Chainsaw. Yeah, th- that's that's exactly misery what's really vibes. Hard, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so then the um, in in quick succession, when things start to go to shit, uh, you know the. The puzzles stop being like find a bottle and fill it with water and they start being like get a chainsaw, get a shotgun, right? So it gives you a chainsaw and a shotgun right away. Um, and then you are going to have to go back into the woods. Um, the, and there's like a there's like an area in, up at the top of the map where there's a very weirdly tall guy. Um, and like the sprite for this guy is like twice the height of any other person's sprite. And, uh, he, when you see him in the, um, in the, like, they, they go from sprites sometimes to a, um, uh, what do you call it? Portrait illustration. And the portrait illustration for him is just looming over you, looking down at you, like sideways in a way that's very creepy. And, um, you know, you have to get through there, uh, blast the lock off of, um, uh, off of this gate, uh, use a chainsaw to cut through. And now you're in the forest where, uh, possums are trying to attack and kill you and you have to use the shotgun to defend yourself. (laughs) And
2: there we have a title.
0: Yeah. And, uh, then you get back to this old abandoned radio station where, uh, you very quickly find a bunch of journals, Bill's journals where he talks about all the people in town and, uh, what, uh, so these are all people who have been like cast out of society. And you kind of got that from, from some of the things that they've said, they're all societal outcasts. Um, and in each of the little journal entries, he's identifying each one of them and, uh, why they're kind of a outcast from society, um, and their level of compatibility with the, the process or the change. (laughs) And, uh, then you see the tall guy again, who's looking for his brother, um, and you're checking everything. And then you check the back room uh, and there's just a truly horrifying illustration uh, of, um, like, empty skin hung up on meat hooks. Right? <laughs>
1: oh, brother. dear. Classic
0: and, Game Boy imagery. Uh, yeah, yeah. You tell the guy, listen, we're going to get out of here right now. Uh, you and the tall guy leg it. Uh, and you're making your way back.
1: Wait, wait. Uh, are you saying that you and the tall guy leg it? Or is the tall guy run. named leg it?
0: No. Okay. You and the tall guy are running. Thank you.
2: Right. <laughs> You yeah, and the you tall guy. Him, Don't look comma, back there. Like I'm it. sorry.
0: I'm sorry about your brother. He's not coming back. We're getting out of here now. And um, on the way back, on the road back to the trailer park, you encounter the girl uh, again. She's come. She had, by the way, she was in the car. I forgot to mention. Like she disappears from the car. Um, so you see, uh, you see her, and her like head is like split open and there's like a possum coming out of her like she's <laughs> okay. and yeah and it's the most gruesome like creepy illustration it this is like the th- that's the thing about the art in this game is it's like very successfully gruesome and creepy in a way i didn't really even think was possible at this level at this resolution <laughs> and um and so you know then you you have to you shoot her because you have to and then bill is cradling this possum and he says why you know basically he gives a speech i wish i had written it down but it was like what why do you city people always destroy what you don't understand
2: <laughs> the end uh, well hey i i live in the city the big city and there's a possum in my backyard all the time mm-hmm. and uh i guess i'm never going out there again you've convinced
0: i i would advise you not to and this i i could not tell where this fits into the current possum discourse Mm. i don't know how much you all have followed the internet's uh, love of perverse love affair with possums yeah yeah so possums um ages past uh were you know primarily considered pests uh, and I think uh, that is because they are gross. And <laughs> wow, uh, okay. <laughs> just, uh, I've had long. She discussions is coming for possums. Yeah, yeah. okay. I've had. Lo- I am coming for possums right now. Uh, I've had long discussions uh, with friend of the show Mark Bramhill about uh, the, the the merits or demerits of possums. Uh, so, shout out to Mark, uh, who's a real see, possum
2: lover. I see. I know him more a as a bird guy, so I'm not yeah. sure yeah. if yeah, I but can. He sent me
0: trust I mean, he sent me a lot of possum pictures at one point and, and uh, I was not persuaded so the um, <laughs> I don't mind them I'm not like'm af- I wasn't afraid of them until I played this game but um the the thing that you always hear about possums from the real possum lovers is the idea that they are like nature's um like tick eradicator mainly like they're they're immune for um, they're immune to uh, Lyme disease, and they're and they eat f- 5,000 ticks a year, and they are uh, immune to rabies, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, right. I don't know how many of you guys have heard these things. Yeah, um, I've yeah. heard these things. Maybe I don't know. Li- listeners have probably. It sounds like that was written by a possum. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> Big uh, possum I paid for that ad. Uh, I would encourage our our listeners to Snopes uh, those facts. Um, because it was recently, uh, many many pro possum um, rumors have recently been discredited by science. <laughs> uh, so you know, feel how you like about possums. Uh, you know, you you might you might like them. You might be afraid of them. You might want to uh, massage them. What uh, such as. Have You ever heard, seen the possum massage lady, Reagan? You oh, know, there's a lot. I do. Yeah, I have seen I the possum massage lady. There's a I lot. I follow on image. YouTube. Thank you. There, Just, no, there's a whole YouTube channel. I yeah, used to. I, uh, I used to. Her, sub- her channel, I think, is called Me Me Pearl, mm-hmm. um, or something like that. And she is a uh, possum rescuer, and she um, goes on YouTube to teach people how to properly. Um, massage possums what, which
2: I think is delightful it's a great YouTube video if you want to check it out well this giant I mean this is a big possum it's eaten it's at least 5,000 ticks uh it comes and sits on our fence posts and we'll all be hanging out out there and it's there just hanging out sometimes and it's kind of terrifying with its rat tail uh mm-hmm. but I don't know it Sounds like it, he just he's just I, looking for a little rub down I have yeah. a
1: disturbing possum story
0: Uh oh. I I think we should all share our most disturbing possum stories now.
1: Uh, My sister has um, a a lovely rescue vet named Lucy who uh, protected the backyard from a possum by grabbing the possum, and the possum played dead. And Lucy proceeded to run all over the
0: backyard. This is why it's called playing possum. Right.
1: That's what possums do. So she grabbed the possum, ran around the entire yard with the possum, and then Kelly was like, put that thing down. Lucy did, the possum ran off. Well, it turned out the possum had, was carrying babies. And so the next, there are just little tiny, tiny babies strewn (gasps) all over the backyard who were abandoned by their mother. And then Kelly had to, you know, these, the little possum babies died because they were abandoned and Kelly had to (gasps) then take like. T- like just dig that out of the backyard for like a week,
2: and she was yeah. very. Gotta say, I hate this story, Laura. Yeah, I- <laughs>
0: that, is, slight, that is slightly more horrifying.
1: Than uh, my should we should story. we cut that from the podcast? <laughs> no, we it, like, not. That on I our
0: reader, I want to. I, th- I want to <laughs> stick on that because that is. I think there's the silver lining there, which is the one. Like this is which the, is that many op- possums died <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, the silver lining really is is just in rem- reminding ourselves of the one good trait that possums have, which is that they are North America's only marsupial. so you should you should always watch out for the babies hmm. yes. um, that they carry with them. but um,
1: they're about the size of honeybees and they apparently are terrible to clean out of your grass.
0: Oh so okay, just just mow. Yeah.
2: Oh, <laughs> oh <God. no>. Shane, <laughs> you're going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> this so show is
0: canceled. <laughs> Shane, please pack <laughs> you. can Mark's, that. <laughs> Mark has just.
1: Mark has never. Mark is leaving the Discord. Mark is never going to talk to you Sorry, again. Sorry, Mark.
0: Sorry, Mark. Uh, uh, Shane, I, I don't hate possums. I I just I just don't believe the lies. Um, <laughs> so the yeah, my possum story is a story of true gaslighting. My um, childhood home, I was constantly hearing something in the walls and I would be trying to go to sleep and I would hear things moving in the walls and I would tell my parents and they would not believe me. And it happened Mm -hmm. for a long time um, until uh, there was some plumbing trouble in my grandmother's bathroom and they cut a hole And that hole just kind of, um, no one was urgently fixing the hole in my grandmother's wall. Um, it was about the size of a deck of cards, uh, just to access a pipe. Now, weeks go by. I continue to complain about the nighttime noises that are, there's scratching right next to me. Um, out from that hole, I, I hear a shriek from my grandmother's area of the house, uh, from her bathroom. And it is because a possum has stuck its head out that hole ah! um, and is just sitting there and cannot be convinced to withdraw. Uh, <laughs> the, it, like people yelling, waving things at it. Nothing was, was convincing. It wasn't moving forward. I don't know if the hole was even big enough, but it was big enough for it to stick its head out right above the commode. <laughs> Um, and <laughs> literally scare the shit out of my grandmother oh my and God. um and and so i i was then asked to like scare it away because I think at the time it was like you and me and our grandmother and uh our grandmother's caretaker bessie was home and n- neither of them was successful at scaring this thing off and so I ultimately uh got an umbrella and it was i just like... <laughs> I tried a bunch of different things. The only thing that actually scared the possum away was opening and closing the umbrella rapidly nearby. For some reason, that maybe uh, mimics the sound of a hawk.
2: Good or something. to know. Uh, all right. Well, we're, we're this has been
1: the short game. Well, that's all we have for this week. Laura, I was going to do the same
2: <laughs> joke. That's. that's Thank you for joining us on this week's episode Thank of the short game. Thank you for joining us in possum. Uh, I yeah. think that's a series. Well, I think that's a series wrap on the short game. Yeah. Uh, this was, yeah, was this a good was eight years be an episode yeah. about GB
0: Studio games for the Game Boy, but now it was the Possum episode and we're done and good night. <laughs> um, I guess we can move on. Yeah. Well, thank you for <laughs> indulging me in, it's a good uh, story. in Possum Corner. Uh, I'm
2: glad we had such great possum discourse on the show Some disturbing
1: here. content for our listeners.
2: The, po- the possum refused to withdraw is a sentence <laughs> that's going to be stuck in my head for also, the rest Also,
1: literally life. scared the shit out of my grandma <laughs> yeah. is, a, is a choice.
2: All right. Um, Let's talk about a different game. Uh, Laura and I both played a, a, a delightful game. Oh, it was uh, such a delight. That is maybe the opposite of the uh, hellhole that Shane just let us down <laughs> um, uh, called Mud Warriors. Uh, I, I loved this game. Every, every moment of it. Laura, how about yourself?
1: Oh, I was uh, sold from the very beginning. Um, if you've ever wanted a playground combat treated with the seriousness of Apocalypse Now, this is the game for you. Um for me, I was sold from the first time I uh, – my little uh, mud warrior walked across a pl- piece of playground equipment and they walked across the little bridge and all the little uh, pieces of the little logs on the bridge moved just like they would on a playground and then up went a ladder and the – Sprite slowed down like it would in a Pokemon game when you go up a really tricky ladder. And I was just like, ah, yes. Yeah. Give it to me.
2: (laughs) So yeah, this game is based off of a piece of interactive fiction from, uh, someone who we've talked about on the show before. Uh, yeah. Ryan Veter,
0: He's, he's, you know, pretty well known in interactive fiction circles. He's won. IF comp before. I think, uh, I, the 2011 comp, he won with uh, Taco Fiction, um, and he's had. Great he's game. just extremely prolific. If you look him up on IFDB, he's just got like dozens and dozens of games. Um, the most recent thing of his that I've played was I think it was a couple of years ago uh, in IF Comp. He had a game called A Rope of Chalk, which was absolutely great. And um, yeah, uh, heard it plays that. pretty highly in the comp, and I loved it. It was like one of my favorite things from that year. And also, uh, I think it won a Zizzy Award Um that that year as well. So yeah. like he's he's a well known and decorated car uh, or uh, Interactive Fiction veteran with a, yeah. with a pedigree and,
2: or whatever you want to call it. And so this is a Game Boy version of one of his games, which I think is brilliant, and I hope to see more people take uh, interactive fiction and, and turn them into these little bite sized games. Uh, but kind of what Laura was speaking to is I think this game is, is, uh, wonderful for two reasons. One, it's writing and overall sense of tone, and then the love and affection that went into the design of the game from a, uh, animation and just overall aesthetic standpoint. So the, the conceit of the game, it starts super, uh, dark, you know, you have two characters that you can't really tell exactly. You know, at least i I didn't catch the the joke right out of the box, um, but they're talking about how awful the war has been, how they've lost troops in the east, and it's very dramatic and then a character enters in and it's like they're crazy, they've gone beyond enemy lines, you know the music it's game boy music, but it's it's very tense and and they're like it's an ambush, and uh. And the character throws. You know, you can't really tell. At least, I, again, I, I couldn't tell a hundred percent what it was. So you, you have an idea, and it hits a character, and they're like, "He's crazy! This third grader is out of his mind!" And you realize that it's <laughs> it's basically it's an after school program that is a uh, like a mud fight that the kids are taking deadly seriously, uh, and, and that's. <laughs> Really the whole joke is that these, you know, they'll be like, that's, that's Tommy. His parents didn't pick him up from school today. He's lost his mind. And uh, you know, and, and it goes from there and, and spins out in a bunch of different directions. There's a fifth grade girl who is the Oracle who Ugh. you know, they go to the what what was the line, like the sheer image of womanhood or something like that? Yeah. Like, so it's, the it's
1: Oracle so is blessed for two reasons. One, she lives in one of those um like octagon uh things like she's in the middle of it hanging upside down and she's a fifth grader and can hang upside down for so long and yeah. her pigtails are down. <laughs> and she's also covered the outside in the towels of mud from the the fallen children. So she's in this like war hut that she's built, and it next to a stack of clean towels. And I'm like, this is is all I want. I want. It's so um, funny. Deathly serious children's combat.
2: And uh, my my favorite joke of it, besides like the writing is it's it's all very tropey war style writing. The conversations the kids are having with each other. Is, I'm here to
1: throw mud and chew bubble gum, yeah, and it, I just ate my last bubble gum, <laughs> yeah it's
2: it's silly and then also very dramatic, but my my favorite joke is that uh there's one one square that you can return to where the the teacher is just sitting with like a hot cup or of, the the
1: teenager it's just Mike the dude who runs yeah, the after school program, yeah. <laughs> and uh
2: yeah. you go back to him and like the music changes totally. And he's like, oh hey kids, like, hey, it seems like you're having a real good time. I I'm just so happy you're all having fun after school. Da, 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 da. You know, and then it goes and they're like, war, war is hell. You know. Uh <laughs> yeah. it, it's really funny. And um it's it's delightful end to end. Uh and then what Laura was talking about at the beginning is that just the the um I, I understand that this was made on a s on software that emulates uh game boy uh hardware but like i i can't think of a game boy game that looked as good as this game looks uh the the attention to detail like laura's talking about the the way the bridge moves the way the ropes move the way everything just sort of reacts is is really nice and it looks really good
0: i'm just as surprised that the game boy can do stuff like this as i am that a like a no coding tool yeah. set can do stuff like this. Yeah, I would. I mean, th- this seems really complicated. For I, I played through a little bit of the some like sample projects um, and they were impressive. But I've seen stuff in these games that I'm like, wow, how do you do that with this?
2: Well, like, I mean, if you think so about fun. the normal progression of of a console, the games that come out at the beginning are so different from the games that come out at the end. Uh, you know, after ten years of working on a console, you start to figure out how to unlock um you know more capabilities, utilize the resources that are there even more specifically and I guess in this case we're thinking thirty years later, people have really figured out how to maximize the output from a g- from a game boy game
1: yeah, I mm. think the really fun part about this is. So the combat's pretty simple. You really are – there are a series of fights. You know vaguely how tough those folks are going to be. Um, and you have to go collect quarters to bribe Mike to give you stickers, which are considered your power. Um, so it's a very, like, cute little loop. But So it's a bunch of exploring. The combat's pretty simple. Once you are stronger, you will win, but the dialogue is very fun in it. So even while you're watching people throw balls, they're like, ah, the bad kid will stick a rock in the clump, and he's, yeah. a, he's a tool, that kind of thing. Um, mm. the, the third grader doesn't call the other kid a tool. I'm calling the kid a tool, <laughs> yeah. to be clear. Uh, but I found it really um, – I, I said I was in from the bridge, but the moment I knew I was in good hands is when you exit your uh, General Shaquille – after you've been talking to General Shaquille and you've gotten your mission, uh, you exit out the back and then you realize you've taken the slide down. You're yeah. It's like,
2: <laughs> nice. I'm sold. I d I just love the the writing again is so funny. The the teacher will be like, Oh, isn't it fun that I made, you know, the, the dodgeballs. Whatever team gets both dodgeballs first wins, and then it'll be like the z- the orb of Xalanthor has been lost for a millennia we're trying to recover it from general betsy uh yeah or you it's go to the gates
1: that that shows the parking lot and it's like the doors are closed you dream of home someday you will return there but not now not until the war is done yeah. or it is like time for your mother to show up and pick you up
2: across uh not from this this the brown pits of despair the, where the mud expands across all that we know. There the grass is green and grows there where my home is, you know, it's
1: And eventually you realize it's because there's some kind of like resotting project that's happened in the backyard. So they've just, like
2: they screwed up, yeah. They like they were refinishing the school and it rained really hard and now there's mud everywhere and it's you know, the this after school attendant has turned it into a little game and the kids have taken it way too seriously.
1: I mean, you talk about short. This thing is maybe forty-five minutes.
2: Yeah, probably forty-five minutes to an hour. Um, yeah, it's it's great. It's fun. Like if if uh, if I had this as a kid on Game Boy, I think I would love it. Uh, it's not your classic. You know, most Game Boy games were like, how can we make this where you're going to want to play it uh, for a hundred hours. This is you know a, a pretty tight experience, but uh, and there's really not any. The combat is like Laura said, it's pre-scripted. You, just if you have a higher star count, you're gonna win, or even just a matching star count. But even still, it's fun. Uh, the exploration was kind of fun. Finding the quarters uh, was kind of fun, but it's the writing and the uh, the design that that makes it work so yeah. well
1: it's fun cuz when That's you wander awesome. around you're going to get a joke or an item so you're fine doing it like it's that kind yeah. of payoff um i would not call this an adventure game but it has that kind of um random good writing lottery of yeah. every time you touch something you'll get something funny
2: there's like what 10 total squares that you may explore to at at the most it's it's pretty small yeah
1: and they're all called things like no man's land or yeah, you know, that kind of, the you know yeah, under yeah. the picnic table, it's yeah. excellent stuff.
0: I also want to specifically uh, shout out uh, the developers. So obviously, we know Ryan Vider, uh, creator of the original game that this is based on, um, but uh, this is developed by Polydux and Lance Campbell. And Lance Campbell is a member of our Discord. And
2: uh, I, Lance, I didn't yeah. know that.
0: Nice. I didn't. I didn't say because I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to make sure that you guys. You know, I, I. I also really enjoyed this game, but I. I, I thought I'd let you guys uh, take it because I, I didn't want to be the the guy who was saying like, "Hey, I'll I'll play uh, my buddy's game and let that color." I'm <laughs> glad you guys really uh, really enjoyed it uh, because. Uh, it, yeah. Hey, Lance. uh yeah. Thanks for, for suggesting we check out your game. <laughs> it's yeah. excellent.
1: I'll also give a shout out to Polydex just because uh, there was another game uh by them that I was considering called Sludge and Sorcery, which is a RPG that looked excellent. Uh, I just didn't have time to get to it. so uh, Yeah, I
0: think Polydex has other games that are for Game Boy and I'm not positive if they are made using GB Studio. This one
1: um, is, but I just didn't have time. Oh, okay.
0: Okay, I, I had a hard time telling in, in a lot of cases, because many games do sort of very, you know, proudly advertise Made with GB Studio as part of their, you know, their credits. And others, you know, maybe that's not as important to them to, to put out front, but it's, you know, you can find out if, you, if you're curious. Um, so gathering together a list of games to play for this episode was a little tricky. Um, not all of, you know, but if you are looking specifically for GB Studio games, there is a tag for Made with GB Studio on itch.io. And pretty much everybody making games with, with GB Studio publishes them on itch.io because it's free and there's an easy way to export a HTML5 version so you can get a nicely hosted uh, you know, web page for your game where people can check it out. Um, and so it's really nice that there is a sort of filterable tag for this if you go look for it. Um, so uh, the next one, I, I so one that I was really excited to play um, and and I did like a lot, uh, but I didn't. I don't think I was quite as into it as maybe Mud Warriors uh, was. Dedius by Yzma. Uh, Dedius is a uh, another sort of adventure game with a top-down RPG esque looking visual style kind of thing. Um, it's a it's a horror game which. What I was very intrigued by, the idea that there are are so many games, if you browse through the GB Studio tag on itch.io, there's so many games that seem to be doing a horror thing, kind of like uh, Possum Country as well. Um, But Dedius has been out a little longer than some of those. I'm pretty sure it was made with an earlier version of of GB Studio. So it's a little um, more kind of graphically sparse, although it does have some really good creepy imagery that's occasionally, you know, either like full screen images, that kind of thing. But what this game does really, really well is just sort of like a, a feeling of foreboding and, you know, like a slow, unnerving, you know, passage of time. Um, I was reminded a lot of things like, so it takes place over a course of three days, um, in a, in a small town and, uh, you begin the game by having a nightmare where you, uh, uh, hear from a terrifying God that they are returning and they will claim, they're going to come back and claim your flesh and uh, that it will be the end. And so you awake and you go around this little town and talk to some of your, a kid, it has a very sort of um, Pokemon look to it, I think, to the, to the pixel art. So it has that look of sort of like a top down view of a small town. Uh, and everybody has this sort of little like cute pokey uh, Pokemon pixel art, style um you know from the game boy uh style sprites for everybody um uh, but you go around your little town talking to the other kids and all of the kids are having distressing nightmares Hmm. um and all of the adults seem to have something to hide uh and so it's basically an adventure game you're you're going around collecting items um some of which are important for you know uncovering things, things like keys or, or you're trying to find hidden, hidden rooms or areas to, uh, uncover the secrets of the town. Um, but it is, it is very creepy. Uh, surprisingly creepy for a Game Boy game. I thought like, I, I didn't think it was, um, I, you know, I, I was never like <laughs> bolt upright in bed or anything. It's still, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's still on a, uh, on a tiny screen. uh but it has a definite you know what what i was most reminded of It's like you ever see these like creepy pastas about like a haunted game you know like uh,
1: my of, uncle who works for nintendo style
0: yeah or or like that my favorite is that really really old if you haven't ever seen it you should google like the creepy pasta about godzilla for the nes or somebody like finds a copy of the Godzilla game for NES at a at a thrift store or at a garage sale or something, and then has a save file on it from some kid that died or something like that, and then creepy stuff starts showing up in the game. Um, it had that sort of feel to me. I think mainly just because it's a retro game uh, with like a creepy story and some weird imagery, but it still kind of it was it was unsettling in that kind of way, um, and. Uh, it had good, good music, good sort of creepy music. I will say that I found it a little annoying the way the music looped. This might have been a technical limitation, but it was one of those things where, like, you'd cross from one screen to another, and the the music would start the loop anew. You know, and you do that after you know after three or four hours of playing a game, and and you get kind of tired of the music looping in weird, unpleasant ways. But um, it is it is just really, really well done. It's um it's a a fairly lengthy thing. Um, not, not super long. I would say like, you can probably play this thing in like three hours. Um, it's designed for you to play it multiple times because there are 11 endings. Um, some of them are like easy to get and kind of trivial. Like if you leave town, which you can do at almost any point, then you get an ending, which is I left town, right? Um, there are, I think two kind of main or most interesting endings and, uh, I didn't get either of them, um. Uh, and I ended up having to look up some of the details about them because uh both of them are the kind of thing where like you need to know about certain things that it's really hard to discover on day one of three um so if you I'm still trying to keep things kind of vague if you want to do certain things involving the cataclysm that happens at the end of the game, you need to prepare in advance in ways that are hard to know how to do unless you've seen the endings already uh. um but once you do know, uh, they're they're not that hard. so it wouldn't be that hard to go back and do another you know another playthrough. Um, and uh, it does have just sort of like uh, uh, I don't know, uh, it, it, the, the main thing I, that I'd say about it is like the, once you do know about those endings, the things that you can do in this game um, to either try to prevent or bring about, the cataclysm that it is building towards are not the sort of things that you would expect to be doing in a game boy game is the main thing I'll Hmm. say. Um, I found it really surprising and creepy. And I don't know if I need to go into details about spoiler stuff here. Um, I think I'll leave it at that. Uh, But I would definitely recommend this one. Um, It's on itch.io. This is another one where you can sort of, um, you know, download it for free or name your price. But you can, you know, it has a suggested donation of five bucks. So I say toss toss this developer uh, his five bucks. But you can also buy this game on cartridge. Um, A bunch of the games in the episode we're talking about today have had or currently have cartridge releases available. And, uh, this is one you can get it from incubate games. That's I N C U B number eight. Um, and, uh, they have what looks like a really nice professional cartridge version of this. Um, and I think that'd be a really fun way to play this game. Uh, so, you know, give that a try. Um, but yeah, I, I totally recommend checking out Dedius. I, I think it's one of the more well-known, uh, GB studio games. Um, I've seen it talked about on blogs and such, in in other places. Um, yeah, so I, um, uh, that was one of the reasons I was looking forward to checking it out. I, I actually think in, in many ways, uh, it seems like, um, some of the, the more recent, uh, GB studio games like things like mud warriors or, uh, or maybe, um, possum country, which I haven't played, um, maybe improve on it technically, um, but it definitely nails something about the tone. It's very creepy.
2: Well, that that's really interesting because, you know, I also noticed that a lot of these games are horror or horror influenced. And, you know, you think of uh, the horror film genre is, you know, pretty littered with low budget, lo-fi movies that, you know, manage to accomplish the tone and setting and become big hits. So I wonder if there's something to, you know, Game Boy... At this point, it's as lo-fi as you can get in video games. But uh, horror doesn't really matter, or doesn't really care about the um, the medium. It's actually a great place to tell these sort of spooky stories.
0: Isn't there like, wasn't there? I think the other thing that it reminded me of was like, um, do you remember the like rumors that would go on go around about like Lavender Town in the original Game Boy? Oh
1: Donkey yeah. Boxers? Mm-hmm. I do, but like yeah, actual like the, ghosts.
0: Yeah, well I mean, you know, in the Pokemon world there are just like ghost Pokemon. So like ghosts are just a thing that's around and you can catch them in a ball. But like they were <laughs> they were like I can't remember the details now, but they were like creepy stories about like what's
2: really going on in Lavender Town or something like that. Personally, so like, I would uh, I would like it if we would Move on. I'm getting kind of spooked right now. <laughs> from this, this conversation. Well, I think
0: the, re- the reason I bring it up is like I think maybe some some people from our generation are like primed for um, you know being open to creepy or unsettling stuff in a Game Boy context specifically, mm. and maybe it has something to do with those sorts of.
1: It uh, was that there was rumors. a tone that you could play that would make you lose your mind. S-
0: something like that. That sounds right. It was I'm that gonna have to Cubone this was wearing his mother's
1: Oh, that one too. I do remember that no, no, was but that's that, that is it that's it was that you could
0: move <laughs> the truck near the SS Annie and get Mew from underneath. No. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. Pokemon so... I, I there was a lot of misin- disinformation going around about the original Pokemon cartridge. Uh Some I, missing numbers. You know what's also a game? Soccer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, vibe check. Let's talk about soccer now.
0: (laughs) Yes, yeah. The next game on our list. Laura, take it away.
1: So I played the least of this game because I uh, tried to kick the ball several times and failed, but I would love to hear Nate and Shane, who apparently figured out the three controls, uh, tell me about Penalty Kick 91. Of
2: all the games that we played, this one felt the most like an actual Game Boy game, uh, in that it was kind of inscrutable and... uh, and i i lovely but a bit janky. yeah i i played it for a little bit and it was like okay i get it uh it's a it's a penalty kick soccer game where you are either kicking the ball or trying to defend the ball and there's two buttons or there's move left and right and kick and it's yeah, surprisingly it, difficult compare it
0: to i would compare it to like uh golf video games where you have multiple kind of um uh, meters to kind of dial in your shot and uh well i was kind of drawn to this one based solely on the title yeah i wanted i had played possum country and i was like oh that was fun that was kind of rpg-esque i'll, I'll try something that's going to be uh quick and accessible and uh i pulled up the um the penalty kick 91 game and I mean, it really is just what you see on the label. It is you attempt to make a penalty kick, or you attempt to block a penalty kick. Yeah, uh, rinse and repeat. Blocking, I failed continuously.
2: Yeah, I never, uh, I could never, I could never win. No. I, I was able to uh, score some penalty kicks, but blocking, as best I can tell, is truly just luck, which is very much uh, early '90s video game esque. So you you control the goalie, and you can basically try to block. Left, you just try to middle, guess. or cent- left, center, or right. And if you guess right, you block it. And if you guess wrong, you do not, uh, which, you know, okay. And then uh, on kicking the ball, it shows you an image of the net. And there are nine spots top left, top middle, top right, you know, middle center, middle right, middle left, so on and so forth. And there's just a cursor that's rotating quickly across them that you have to press the action button to stop it where you're hoping to kick it to, and then you, uh, like Shane was saying, you get a a power meter that uh, you know starts low and goes high and loops back around, but it's going very fast, and just you have a real to, kick. yeah, and you have to stop it. the The higher you stop it, the harder you kick, and if you stop it at the top. It's a powerful kick. If you also happened to aim it at the direction that they don't, they they had not selected, I suppose, to block. Then you'll score a goal, and it is kind of tricky, mostly luck. I think the the one thing that like was fun about this game is the little cutscenes that you get, particularly if you kick a ball at full power. You kind of get anime action style things with like, uh, you know, like a, like a diagonal cross across the screen where you just see a foot with like action movement in the back kicking a ball. But, you know, it's all still framed. Uh, and then you see like two hands with a ball going right past it. And then that's it. First person to five points wins. I never won. Uh, it was fine. I, I think they were trying to recreate a lot of this, these bad games from Game Boy era that you'd be like, Oh, penalty kick, that sounds fun. I like soccer, and you like rent it or buy it, maybe even play it. And a half an hour later, you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing with this game, and it goes into your sleeve. That you, uh, you know, take out on a car, on a road trip again and have the exact same experience over and over trying to figure out. You maybe eventually figure it out, but even when you figure it out, you're like, okay, <laughs> like, this is <laughs> glad I, I spent my, like, one game I'm getting for Easter this year or whatever it might be on penalty <laughs> kick.
1: On penalty kick.
2: <laughs> uh, on penalty kick. But damn it, I'm going to play it because I have it.
0: Uh, yeah, I think we all had that game in the era of the Game Boy. Yeah. I remember one that was basically Pokemon, but instead of Pokemon, it was demons, <laughs> and you would, like, fuse them together to make... Shane, I know demons. exactly what you're talking about, and uh, I still have that game, Um, and it is... Uh, oh, geez, what was it called? Um, Revelations Demon Slayer, <laughs> I think. Yeah. That's the and, Jesus uh, one, yeah? It's actually part of the Shin Megami Tensei series. Uh, it's like a, it's a, it's a, one of the early ones that got localized, but it was before they started bringing them over under their their title. Uh, I remember buying that when we first had the Game Boy, and I was like super into the uh, into um, Pokemon, and I'd played enough of it that I felt like I wanted. An- I went into a GameStop, and I we little like little kid walked up to the counter and asked some teenager behind the counter like. What are other RPGs for the Game Boy? And they sold me Revelation Demon Slayer. No, it's not Revelation is, is it I, something Revelation Demon something? I may be getting the title wrong, but it was inscrutable. I, especially buying it used with no manual. Completely inscrutable.
1: No, I was getting this mixed up with the uh game about Jesus your grandma bought you.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's a different one. Um that was for the NES, which I never got to play. Uh, for shame. Yeah, uh, on eBay right now you can you can get a a new copy of Revelation Demon Slayer for only one thousand two hundred and ninety nine dollars. Jesus Christ! Oh Jesus!
2: <laughs> Reagan, where's your copy? I don't know copy? what
0: my. Uh, I, it's right in the box over here. I don't know what it's worth. Um, I think I bought it because the the box literally says RPG on the cover. It just says Revelations: The Demon Slayer, and has a little shield that says RPG and has a picture cool. of people holding swords. Very um, loosely, it, was that an RPG? Yeah, well, I don't Holy know. Holy moly! Yeah, just the cartridge is going for like two hundred bucks. Oh, I guess I should go dig it out of my it's box.
1: Pandemic and, uh... plus the pocket release, folks are going Wait. mad.
0: So, somebody else here. I don't know. That's a Japanese one. So, some of them are not. <laughs> yeah, are not <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't think it's like bucks. ultra valuable or anything. I don't think I'm sitting on a gold mine yeah. here, but. Uh, someday I, I do plan to go back and play enough of that to like wrap my head around it now that I actually quite like the, the Shin Megami Tensei series. Um, but yeah, it was inscrutable to me as a wh- whatever age I was when I had it. <sighs> inscrutable. Well, what's next on our list? Uh, I can talk about... Uh, oh no, Laura, you next. What's next on our list?
1: So I only played cozy games. Everyone else is playing horror games. I'm... Um... I went from uh, a game where kids took uh, a game and made it very adults and to um, basically Totoro. So I I continued my children's theme. Um, In this one, uh, much like uh, my neighbor Totoro, An Autumn with You by Leaf Thief, uh, this game takes a, uh, like you are five, I think five and three quarters, they say up front, And uh, you've moved into your nana's house. And isn't that fun? And there's the wilderness. And occasionally you stumble into your parents having, like, deep conversations. It turns out, like, you overhear words about, like, eviction and, like, your mom is working and she's like, the internet here sucks, but I can't lose this job. Or, like, you want to go into a room and you hear, like, loud noises coming in so you don't go in. And there's that kind of stuff going on. But you are a kid. And maybe there's a magical spirit in the forest. Um, It's got that... Um, kind of a point and click style, but there's no inventory. You just pick up stuff, and then after you've picked up enough stuff, like you can, uh, if you pick up cocoa powder and milk and you go to the stove, you can make hot chocolate. You don't have to be like, make hot chocolate, combine these three ingredients. It just kind of auto plays it. Um, and it's really quite sweet. I think a thing that I was happy about with this game is. Um, the art is absolutely uh, charming. It is um, taking like a puffy cloud approach to pixel art where everything is kind of like very jaunty. It's like uh, that kind of Stardew Valley where people have kind of like puffs of hair. It's not very like stiff or anything like that. Um, and I think something I found the most enjoyable about this is that like the puzzles are so light it's just like go pick up your mail oh and now you've done something nice we can unlock your dad's uh you know you now you get a reward or like pick up this photo and show it to your grandma walk across these stones in the garden um it's a pleasant place to hang out don't think all you playing horror games could say that about your game. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's Uh. an accomplishment on a Game Boy game. Like, I've never thought of a Game Boy game as being something like, oh, this is a pleasant experience. You know, it's just a chill hang. Yeah.
1: It is a chill hang. The house is this, like, lovely Victoriana feel to it. Um, You, like, it feels small, but, like, comforting. Um, It it looks like a dollhouse, honestly. And then you can, like, go fishing. Kind of cool. Like, you pluck a wildflower. (laughs)
0: Game Boy is kind of a comfort console for some people. I, I feel like having a comfort game there makes a lot of sense.
1: And there's, yeah. you know, there's real stuff happening. I mean, your parents are clearly going through some stuff. There's a reason you're moving in with your grandma in the woods, um, mm-hmm. just like there is in the movie My Neighbor Totoro. But it's it you don't have a full understanding of it because you're playing from a child's perspective. And I really liked how your parents having. A uh, heated conversation in another room is a way to like lock a door without locking a door. Like you decide to go play in the woods because you can't go in that direction because your parents are fighting. But it's not a heavy thing. It's just loud noises. Um, Mom told me not to go in there, and you keep going straight. It's that kind of detour. Um, most games that um, have this kind of two layer play where there's you are a kid and bad things are happening to parents, then would have the parents like die or
2: something. Yeah. You,
1: you know what I'm talking about? Like dad would kill mom. Like that is what happens in games where parents A possum
2: would eat mom.
1: Yeah. Um, this one just says like, you know, parents are going through some stuff. It's okay to play and be in the kids world. Um, independent. Uh, it doesn't overtake the game. Um, not that I was, like, worried per se, but I yeah. played a few games where, like, you play a cute, adorable kid, and then, like, I don't know, Edith Finch happens,
2: and <laughs> that cute,
1: adorable kid no, is, no. Is, is, is no more.
2: Don't touch that faucet.
1: Oh, I God. love the water. No. Yeah. Um, yeah so I, it was nice to play a game with that kind of balance to it, um, and just a lovely, lovely art style.
2: That that made me think. Um, you know, talking about like just n- gentle games on Game Boy, um, I just remembered that probably the Game Boy game I played the most and one of my favorite series was the Harvest Moon game for Game Boy. I loved that game. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I don't. I generally think of my time with Game Boy as either Pokemon, Mario, or like inscrutable games that I could never figure out. Uh, but Harvest Moon was was a nice one. Yeah. I, def- I think I had that one too at some point. Um, I love the yeah. Harvest Moon games. Yeah.
1: This game is such a vibe that I don't want to talk in detail about it too much because a lot of it's just wandering through the woods, enjoying like the leaf art, um, trying to catch a glimpse of the forest spirit, that kind of thing.
0: So um, I played a game called The Year After, Uh, which is another sort of vibey, kind of cozy game. Um, But it's a little darker. It's not dark exactly, but it's more sort of nostalgic and also a little sad. Um, It's it's described by the developer as an emotional Game Boy experience about an invisible stranger, a family, and a brutal winter. Walk through time, seasons pass, characters age. Um, It's... uh, it's done in a, you know, very, uh, it, like a lot of these, it's kind of like that top-down um, perspective, walking around as a tiny little uh, RPG-style sprite. Um, but you're playing as a little guy in black who looks kind of like a ninja. And so you're like, what is his role here? Um, and you're walking around and being ignored by uh, characters who can't see you. Um, you walk through, you know, across some uh, some valleys and and rivers and through a canyon, and you come across a little house, Uh, where there is a family, Uh, they're, you know, they're building their house, they're getting ready to have a baby, you know, you can observe scenes from their life. Um, And uh, as you, you know, walk through and you see a scene happening from their life, and you continue walking, you walk on out of that scene, you walk through the countryside a little bit, and suddenly it kind of loops and you're back in that same place again. And you're seeing something different. Uh, a little later you're seeing um you're seeing you know the the next season it kind of goes by season and you're seeing like you know the the the, the fall the the winter and so on um and uh, i won't tell much about the ending but i i'll say that it's sort of like a nostalgic uh story it's a story about loss it's a story about family um and the thing that i think is most interesting on this one is that the developer right on the page says this is best played with sound on a Chrome web browser, and the reason that they are pointing you that way rather than, uh, well, you can download this as a Game Boy ROM and play it on hardware or in a Game Boy emulator. The reason they're they're encouraging people to play it in a browser is that they've done something really interesting here, which is that on top of the sort of bare GB Studio export of this as an HTML5 game, they've done some JavaScript hacks to replace the sound with actual MP3 audio. Hmm. Um, and so it has things like, you know, like a, um, a non Game Boy style soundtrack, like sounds mostly sort of like, uh, like ambient music, but it is, it is not Game Boy music. It is a, you know, a, a uh, an actual soundtrack composed, composed for this game. Um, not that, not that Game Boy music isn't an actual soundtrack, but you get what I mean. It's, it's not Game Boy music. It's like, um, like full orchestrated music. And uh, there's like nature sounds and things like that. There's like ambient background sounds that are definitely well beyond the capability of what a Game Boy game could do on its own. And um, while this is uh, looks sort of like a Game Boy game in terms of its or it looks just like regular Game Boy game in terms of its graphics, it has color filters applied to it that are reflecting the the like Season that you're in, so um, and it has a look to it that isn't like what you'd get from just like a Game Boy color game or something. It actually looks sort of like uh, more like a traditional Game Boy game, but with the colors sort of filtered through something that looks a little more organic, like a like a gel lens or something, but a little more detailed than that too, because it has kind of a texture to it. it I would liken it almost to sort of like putting a Game Boy game through a set of seasonal Instagram filters, (laughs) Um, which is a little reductive, but like you get the idea. It it, it looks cool. And um, it's not like anything else that I played for this. Like it's, it's, it's kind of like Game Boy plus, like if Game Boy had some extra sound hardware and somehow developed some new color, uh, drawing capabilities, um, you'd get this. And I think it's really fascinating to see somebody take this game making tool, Game Boy studio and kind of build on top of it with just what I've, what according yeah. to the the pages, just sort of JavaScript hacks, um, like, tying in like they're able to use javascript to like hook into the game boy memory and like key off things like changing of color scheme and playing of sound files um based on what's going on within the game boy game really interesting from a technical standpoint um and also just like a nice like half hour-ish long um you know uh, uh, emotional i'd say basically like a walking simulator is the closest thing i could uh, could compare this to uh and i i recommend it it's the kind of thing that i i mean you could you could Polish this off in a in a you know half an hour or maybe maybe forty five minutes, um, and it's it's kind of lovely and also just a really interesting look at like what you could potentially do with this tool. So um, I I think it's worth checking out. It does seem weird. I, I I feel like it's kind of a a bummer that it's like not pure Game Boy. But when I really get down to it, is any of these games truly pure Game Boy?
2: <laughs> and then when you really get down to it. Does anything matter?
0: Does Are we here? <laughs> is this a podcast? Is anyone listening? In this economy? My perspective on it <laughs> is that like most people who play these games won't be playing them on a Game Boy. It is very cool that GB Studio can export a game yeah. that you can play as a ROM file if you load it onto a flash cart or whatever. But most people who play these games are going to be playing them in a browser. And that's part of, like, you know, the, it, I liken this a little bit to, like, tools like uh, like Pico 8, where, like, yes, it's a quote-unquote fantasy console, but really what it's all about is it's a game-making tool and a set of interesting constraints to work within. Mm-hmm. And that's really what GB Studio is, and it has the added Benefit or bonus of like, yes, it'll actually spit out a real Game Boy ROM for you. And that is doubtless extremely cool. But really, GB Studio is a way to create mostly games for the web. And in a sense, isn't a Game Boy just a browser? (laughs) What? (laughs) No, just. (laughs) (laughs) You're just trying to. (laughs) Derailer in chief, Shane Kelly. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting. I think people should check this out. And that is all we have for this week. Uh, There are doubtless tons more GB studio games and just general game boy homebrew games. There's tons of really good game boy homebrew games that are made just more close to the metal and with other tools um, that we uh, haven't, checked out yet. So if you'd like to hear us talk about more homebrew, uh, let us know what you think is cool. There's a lot of it out there. Um, and, uh, we're planning to do more coverage of homebrew games cause they're just sort of an interesting little area that doesn't get enough, uh, coverage as just, you know, uh, on its own. Uh, for example, there's a great, uh, homebrew scene for the NES that I can't wait to dig my you know teeth into more, um, other Game Boy stuff. Other systems. So, you know, if you have a favorite homebrew game, uh, let us know. Maybe we'll cover it. Um, if you want to reach out to us, the best way to do that is to go to www.theshortgame.net and use our contact form, or go to twitter.com and find us there at underscore shortgame. Or best of all, go to patreon.com slash the short game and support the show. Even just a dollar a month helps us out. We love our listeners who support us on Patreon, but you also get immediate access to our Discord, where we talk about the games that we're playing. We talk about what's coming up on the show. We we poll our listeners about what they're interested in hearing about. It's, it's where we talk to people the most, and where we talk to each other, for the most part, about this show. So uh, reach us there. Uh, you can find our uh, show on the internet, www.theshortgame.net. I may have already mentioned that Uh, you can find me on twitter at reagan k that's r-a-y-g-a-n-k laura where can people find you
1: you can find me on twitter at laura j nash
0: shane where can people find you you can find me on twitter at 8bit shane and nate where can people find you on twitter at nate s-t-o
2: and on your other cool podcast nate you can plug it oh man what did what are the chances so I have a, a uh, the, the restart of a show that I used to. If you've listened to the short game long enough, you heard me talk about this like five years ago. But um, I've restarted my baseball podcast. It focuses primarily on the St. Louis Cardinals, but we talk way more uh, broadly as well. So if you're interested at all, if there happens to be an overlap here, it's called Talking About Birds. Uh, you can find it everywhere. You can find podcasts.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I mean speaking of anniversaries, speaking of 5 years ago, 8 years ago, we started this show. Woo. This episode will be coming out right after the 8 year
2: anniversary wow. of the short.
0: game. Ah.
2: How have we been doing this this long? It's And and it's, it's amazing that again. this is our last episode after all the po- after all the possum talk, I think. We've we peaked and it's time to just fade out.
1: Absolutely,
2: <laughs> no, so you'll never, you'll
0: never keep us down. I'll never allow it. You'll all podcast <laughs> with me until the bitter end. <sighs> <uwley> uh thank you guys once again for for hanging out with me on the pod uh and listeners thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the short game uh here it is the last little sound effect thing that we do at the end of every episode i hope you still enjoy it and don't find it annoying after eight years here it is (laughs)